Today's Rewilding Earth podcast is a little different. This one goes out to the hardworking, passionate, tired conservationists of all backgrounds and ages. Consider today's episode as a sort of free mental health care for those who wish to receive it. My guests are Robert and Terry Talltree, and they're here to help you reconnect, recharge, and thrive during challenging times so we may take advantage of every opportunity in front of us to heal nature's wounds without burning ourselves out. Pulling from traditional Native American teachings, my friends Robert and Terry have been a guiding force in my life for over a decade, so I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. Enjoy! You're listening to the Rewilding Earth Podcast. Rewilding Earth podcast is supported by businesses such as Patagonia, Catula, and Biohabitats, as well as the Whedon Foundation and listeners like you. If you love the work that the Rewilding Institute is doing, please consider donating at rewilding.org. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter while you're there. Robert and Terry Talltree are spiritual leaders to a great many people around the world. Robert is a direct lineal descendant of Black Elt of the Swan Creek Black River Band of Chippewa Indians of Michigan. Multi-talented and boundlessly energetic, Talltree appears to have found his own balance through numerous outlets, not just as a professional speaker, but in the arts as well. An accomplished flautist, Robert was nominated for the prestigious Native American Music Awards. He's also an author, business owner, and former elected chief of the Lone Feather Indian Council of Colorado Springs. Terry Talltree has used her skill in identifying and motivating human potential to create and develop innovative training programs in a wide variety of fields. She was presented a humanitarian award for outstanding contributions in developing programs for children with asthma. After 25 years in the corporate world, Terry now focuses on empowering people to live with purpose and vision in their professional and personal lives. A singer-songwriter and international recording artist, it's been said she has the voice of an angel and that her voice is a gift which she uses with humility and grace. I really believe that the distant future of what people, they, they want peace. And that is really the, the ultimate goal, but they don't realize how they can, how to reach that. And we've been on peace tours and I have been to Africa, by the way, and it's a wonderful country. But they, like I said, they don't realize initially what it is. It's you have to take a first set that within yourself. It doesn't come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. And that's initially where it is. And everyone has it within, I call it the inner sanctuary. sanctuary that we all have within ourselves. And we do find it at times. And many times it's, it's activated by sitting, uh, leaning against a tree or watching children play or watching, you know, the birds fly. That's when we find it. And that's what we're naturally supposed to back, re reintegrate back into our life on a regular basis, not just on weekends or not when we say that, you know, I've got to get it when I'm mowing the lawn, <laughs> which I never understood that what lawns are about anyway. But initially, <laughs> initially, <laughs> yeah. initially when it comes to life, it's acknowledging other life and, and being and not saying I'm, I'm the, the, the dominator of it. I am just one of the, the precious pieces of it. And when we start taking and getting into that particular mindset and, and utilizing that as the foundation of everything in which we pursue, then I, I believe that we'll be able to understand how the wisdom of nature has always been trying to continue to guide us, but we just haven't, we've been blind to it. We've got, you know, the, those, those blinders like the horses have, 
so we all can see forward. We don't see initially everything that's around us. And, you know, and people speak to me about these particular things. I said, listen, there's, we learn from the past, we learn from the present, and, we, and, we, and then we project it into the future. We utilize that as, a, as, the, as the ropes and the planks in which we build upon to be able to, you know, forge our way across new uh, places which we felt never could be crossed before. But initially, I said that the way in which really to build is to take and appreciate every step. And, and people are always running. And, it, and it's no wonder that they become very physically ill because everything is connected to another medicine, which is called mind, body, spirit, and emotion. And each one of those particular realms need to be looked at very tenderly, very lovingly, and nurtured. And if any of those particular uh, realms become out of balance, it throws the, the turning of that wheel out of balance, just as if you've got the weights upon your tires gone. And, and then, so it can't move it as, as uh, gracefully as it as it's, was supposed to. So, you know, people, they ask me, I say, what do you do when you first get up? I said, I don't open my eyes immediately. First thing I say, thank you, maker, for giving me another day. And then next thing, please help me get out of my own way. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, please, please help me get out of bed, which would be mine. <laughs> then the next thing, because I... I, I I want to I want to ask you a very big question to me. At least it's a big question to me, and I sense maybe there's some people out there who would like to hear this answer. Um, and that is, you hear all the time, and especially in our community with rewilding conservationists, that you'll hear from me if we talk about river trips. Um, how it takes me three days on a long nine-day trip. Um, three days to go back to wild, three days to get the ick off of me. Some people say two, some people it takes them a whole week. Me, it's three days and I am back, baby. I am back. And whatever that is, everybody listening knows what I'm talking about. I can't put any more words to it than that, but I'm just back. It's giving me chills just to think about it. And it's been years since I've been on a river. So that's the effect. When you come back to civilization, and on podcasts, I'm making air quotes, um, it takes very, very little time for that. to. So you mentioned leaning up against a tree, experiencing nature, and, and, it, and it has this ability in a microsecond like that, if you're just doing it at lunchtime, uh, and you have to go back to whatever you consider the grind, which is something to, to maybe question. If you call it a grind, <laughs> maybe you, you're not doing the right thing, but it doesn't take people very long before they're swept up again. And so I've gotten to the point where I hear you when, when you say I was very refreshed and renewed by this trip that I just took. What I'm very concerned about is why that wears off so quickly in a society that wants you to get right back to work and get right back to this. And it, I want to know what people can do when they're in the situ when they go back to again the air quotes real world to maintain what they learned under the tree to maintain that feeling that they got on the river off of that hike so that it can actually be used to turn the tide on the way that we are taking care of or not the planet i love that question the um you know that I've had an opportunity to be around some phenomenal uh, wisdom carriers uh, from all over the world. And uh, of course, the, the first ones were, were uh, of native uh, lineage from different tribes. Uh, my father left when I was only two years old. My mother realized she needed to fill that, that space and blank in. And so she called upon native elders and they kind of took me under their wing. And that's where my original foundation started to be built upon uh, because he never did return. But initially, like I said, and then of course, traveling and later on crossing the path of Terry, who also was being trained by native elders, that it was an easy fit and easy to be able to talk and speak uh, about specific things. And since her, the tribe in which she was trained by, uh, when they looked in her eyes, they said, it's time for you to come back. And that's initially some, uh, that, that how indigenous people work. Like it would be, if you were near me, you would be welcome into ceremony because I can already see through your eyes that that's where your heart is. But that, and that's a very common thing to happen among uh, cultures that are really connected to, to the nature of things. So when we talk about uh, reconnecting to the fiber of nature, which we know by science is 
within ourselves already. We know that anything that exists outside of us also, no matter how uh, minuscule it is, exists with inside of us. Every element that is outside is also inside. Salt water, fresh water, we know it. it's all there. Even to the imprint of specific things of plants that look just like organs within our body. I mean, the maker is in, 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 in the infinite wisdom of the maker and creation said this works, so I'm gonna use it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it, there's, there's, no, there's, there's not a denial that we are connected to nature, nature is connected to us. And, but to take and set ourselves in the particular place of integrate, reintegrating it to the language of nature, it's, it's like uh, we had monks stayed at our house for almost a month. Now I'm not, I, 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 I love them, I crossed their path and we invited them into our house. And people said, are you Buddhist? I said, no, I'm, I'm kind of everything. But the thing, but the thing is that it was a natural fit, and they came, and we didn't speak the language. One, there was one or two that spoke in kind of a little bit of broken language, but there was an understanding. Mm -hmm. There was an understanding, and they came, and they said, "Well, why aren't they uh, staying at the temple or you know the wat in which they normally do, which is only like you know ten miles away?" I said, "I don't know." (laughs) I said, "Go ask them." But I love having them here, and people coming in twenty four hours a day for prayers and songs and I said this house is about ready to lift off its foundation I don't know where it's going but man when they get going with those chants and those ancient songs and those stories I said I'm just like drinking it in and even though I didn't really through through the logic of the mind understand the language the logic of the heart knew that it was right and so uh, the leader of uh, uh all of these monks, because each one had their own Wat, I, I discovered, and they were on a peace uh, Dhamma tour. He said something that uh, Terry had spoke about just recently about the forest. Mm, they were forest monks, and the forest monks, um, they, they really own nothing. And they don't really live in the world, but they come into the villages periodically just for blessing, you know, blessing people, and they come with their alms. So they're really the the forest monks are very humble. They're not uh, they're not sitting in a temple somewhere reading reading textbooks. They're they're living in the wild, right? In caves and in the forest. And he said, you know, you can't always live in the forest. You have to learn to bring the forest with you. And so each and every day they had practices that they did just as as Robert and I do we have practices that we do every day so that we maintain that relationship and to me it's really what we're talking about is if you grow up in you know if you're swimming in this in the tank right <laughs> that says we're disconnected then um that feeling of relationship is foreign but like with my native elders what they always they always talked about our relationship with the water on the planet as being the blood of our mother just like the blood that runs through our veins and that the grasses and the trees were like the hair on our body and that um that she is alive and she nourishes and protects us and that we're here to care for her. And so when you talk about people that have that feeling, that relationship, um, that they're moved by it, when they see uh, damage being done, it's not something that you think about and think that shouldn't happen. It's something you feel in your own relationship. And when you talk about it being sort of local, like your local environment, because you have a sense of relationship and connection with that, when that expands to feeling totally connected and knowing that all, all life is sacred and having a reverence for all life, because we have that relationship, we say, we are all related. We're related and we're here to uh, help one another and take care of the earth. So when we feel that, like we were talking about the rivers that we're given the same um, rights as, as personhood. Like that's how we talk about the water. You know, we talk about her as a, a sentient being. 
right? Everything that we talk about when we do our when we do our our prayers, we are praying for the the standing uh, tall and rooted nation, for the born and ancients, for the feather nation, for the swimmers and the crawlers, for all two leggeds everywhere. You know, we're 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 considering all of this as part of, as Robert said, we're all we're all interdependent and we all though there's a, a vast variety of life, it's all uh, respected and treasured, you know? So when you ask how do people maintain that, and we have this because we do this four-day retreat every year. Well, not right now <laughs> during COVID, but I mean, we do this retreat and people come and they have that experience for four continuous days of not, not learning anything and not doing anything. And people say, well, what do you do there? Well, we don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. We're having the experience of being human not doing it. And so that then when they leave and re-enter the world, we always say, be careful. You're, you're open, you're wide open for the next four days. You will be very vulnerable. And when you get to the airport or the train station or where Costco, <laughs> wherever you, you go, you will feel you know very disoriented and barraged by the input, the static energy. So you have to stay grounded. And to stay grounded, you know, sit on the earth, lay your belly on her. She will take that static energy right away from you. Put your belly against a tree, hold a rock. Um, Take a moment and breathe deep. You know, the, the four winds are here. They're all around you. Ask the grandmothers to protect you. You know, stand stand with your feet connected. And I think for so many people, like each day I get up and I, when I'm showering, I'm in the water and I'm thanking that water and I'm appreciating that water. And I sing a song for the water. You know, so there's little things. In, and we live in, I mean, right now we're in a retirement community in Southern California. We're in a double-wide aluminum mobile home with homes on either side of us. We're not living out in the wild right now. So we have to remember to bring the forest with us. We've done that by choice because of my mother being very frail in her health in this community. But, and we have a home in Colorado Springs, which uh, has much more land and room around it. But the thing is that I choose, I choose the places in which, and then I, whatever space that I am provided is where I create my peace. Yes. Everything with that in this room is, has intention. It's not just functional. It's much more than that. And when you have a tendency of setting those things in motion, then you start taking and working with your well-being of consciousness. It's like when you set pictures uh, around you, they have, they have a story about them. And the deeper the story the stronger the medicine. And people don't realize that we have always had the capacity with, with our minds. We can teach our minds to work for us rather than against us. I, you know, I, I've made a statement some time back that the, the mind is, is, is a wonderful uh, teacher. Powerful servant. A powerful servant, but a terrible leader. Terrible master, yeah. <laughs> master, yeah. So when we when we take and put it in that context that to listen to the wisdom of the heart then we are on the right track of taking and reconnecting to that well-being of, of I can breathe now I, I feel my, my muscles relaxing I feel that nothing else matters but the moment of now and that's I mean when you were starting to reconnect I mean with <laughs> with our with our teachings our, our, from my nation it was the reason why we understood how to use herbology is because the animals and plants taught us. It wasn't another human being. Human beings are too limited for that kind of wisdom. <laughs> but because we had, we listened and we were able to see it. And when we were when we were posing, I mean, every question that's posed to the maker, the creator, to God, is always answered every time. 
it's not always the one answer we want. <laughs> so we look for another one or we want to say, no, that's not the one I want. <laughs> but if you take and really seriously look at it, say, okay, how can I make this, how can I take it and, and, and move around at this obstacle? And there's always a way to move around it. But what people don't realize is that because it's, it's, because it's a concept of the mind, you can actually move through it. It'd be, you know, so every obstruction, every limitation that has ever been uh, embraced by humanity was made by human, by beings. It was, it was, it's, it's a story. And, and for whatever means it was designed, it, it has created uh, a damaging limitation upon our spiritual expression. And that's what people don't realize is happening right now. And it saddens me to see it, not only to my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, I see it. And I wonder how I can take and circumvent it to be able to take and get them to realize how much power that they really do have. The ability to manifest is, is always within ourselves, but the, but the, the strangulation of energy that's continued being perpetuated from, from uh, lack and fear is 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 saturated the whole planet and we don't realize that we are being influenced by that you know people say there used to be you know uh if, if you don't see it then you don't have to worry about it or it's not, it doesn't harm you i mean but it's that's not true we are continually immersed in that and when we talk about the, even the new bands of energy that are being utilized to, to, to perpetuate uh, uh visualizations and sound and and, and thought and then how we're having creating reception such as these instruments which we have here that are our phones our, our watches our uh, our ipads uh, they they're they're continuing continually utilizing and in this energy and people are taking and intervening and a lot of particular information that's being utilized is skewed they're not going deep enough to be able to take and, and there's they're taking the word of the neighbor or the or somebody else and and you know how that is i mean i when i was teaching at schools and doing uh, and traveling all over the states and all over the world teaching about the foundation of, of how human beings are starting off with thoughts words and actions just thoughts words and actions you know what what thoughts are you entertaining because that's that's then creating a story with the words and then you're taking action because and then what's integrated which is feeling that is emotion that's how we make all of our choices through emotion. And, and so if you have a herd that has that, and you're in the center of the herd, then you think that the only thing that exists in the universe is the sky and the earth. And that's where people are. And, that, and the only way that shifts and changes are gonna be is that the people on the outside of that herd finally communicate and get people to take and give themselves space to realize the world is much bigger than they think. Mm. And when they start realizing that, then they start to be able to breathe. That's what happens. We need room. We need space to be able, because that's by, by design, we're supposed to take and live with that particular type of dimension. And we can perpetuate a very positive vibration of thought and speech and, and sound. And, but the key component, which I know you, you, you resonate with is, is music. Mm. That, that is a prayer in itself. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons sometimes chants are done to that. And it's one of the, and if we talk through that and, and creation of our, and keeping our hands busy, because if our hands are busy, then our mind's busy and our heart can do what it needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. We have this, this wonderful, wonderful places within our being and scientists say, yeah, there's three brains in the body. There's the one in the head and there's one in the heart and there's one in the gut. And, 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 and I said, you know, it's taking you a long time to come to get here. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, when you said that you had to protect people or, or make sure they protected themselves once they left your, your retreat or when somebody gets off a river or a trail or something where they've had that cleansing experience that you said that they're wide open and that kind of partially answered my question is why do people harden up so quickly once Mm -hmm. they come in contact with the rest of society so quickly the airports the noise the horns and i mean that's just one way to depict it but it's also the energy that people give off when they're in it the thing you left to get on the river the thing you left to go to the retreat in joshua tree or that was that's still there and it's waiting to 
do whatever it does and give off the energy that it does when you come back. And, and you're raw. I've experienced that. You're just, you, the thing you went to do is now, a, it can feel like a punishment when you get back. Cause it's like, wait, why did I open myself up like this? Why? I don't want to be raw and, and every last nerve exposed, which sometimes I felt like I was, I'm like, I don't, I want to go back to the river. I want to go back to the river, you know? <laughs> and, um, and that's why I asked the question, how do we, you know, how do we go back to the river? And Robert, you talked about that. I mean, the river is always there. It's never not there. The river is in you. I think it's also really fascinating that we're talking today when the New York Times released an article with the headline, they want to start paying Mother Nature for all her hard work. And there's a study that just came out um, in uh, the UK. Let's see. Um, continuing to ignore the value of nature in our global economy threatens humanity itself. It's been said by you guys a lot. I've heard this and we weren't even talking about conservation stuff. It just oozes out of you no matter where you're talking about anything <laughs> you're talking about. And it is that we you have to account for what we receive. I mean, if, if you guys say anything, if I remember anything of what you say, it's always that you're accountants. You're constantly accounting for where everything comes from. You're, you're, you're accounting for the water out of the shower tap. You're accounting for everything and thanking. And we don't do that. When we take trees out of a forest, we consider it pure profit. And we only plant more trees so that we can come back and put that in the bank and come back and make more profit without accounting for the loss of those trees, for biodiversity, for clean, you know, for clean rivers, the, the service that it provides to clean the rivers and to so it's weird that we're having this conversation because that article is really hitting hard right now. And I see it all over my social media with all the other environmental organizations and activists. They're all really glomming. Oh, yeah. Can we finally take into account everything we take from the earth or that the earth gives us and start, you know, and that's where the personhood thing comes from too, is let's, let's pay some homage here. And I feel like if we got people to really think about that and then we had an economy that was more based on that, then we're carrying the river around with us, right? Yeah. You know, it's, I love that, what you're, what you're integrating here in this conversation because everything is very timely. And I, I, I love that part of my life because I, it, to me, it shows me that I am on track. I always felt that it was the maker's way of saying, yeah, you're on track. Like, Thank you. <laughs> you know, but the, uh, the, Terry, Stitch, Terry uh, and her dad had really, he was a very, very hard man to be around. And uh she finally got to see some of the things which he had taken in race and, and the, to, to his maximum ability to be able to support the family that he, uh, you know, married into because he, it ended up taking on a lot of children too and marrying his, her mother. But when she was able to take and see that side and see that, you know, he was working with everything in which he had learned to that particular point. And yeah, a lot of it really wasn't the best tools to use, but, you know, it was like using a, a screwdriver for a hammer, and, but it, it got the nail in, but, you know, it was a lot of work. But the thing is that when she took and spoke to her dad about this, you know, and just right with heart to heart and, and right before he crossed over, she said, I'm really sorry, dad. I'm really sorry. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I really believe that's what Mother Nature's going to say, too. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I would love it. Uh, and boy, would I be crushed at the same time. <laughs> because it, it it's a gracious thing for a person or mother nature to do, but it doesn't immediately assuage the guilt that can wash over you. <laughs> you know, when when you're going along in life and you have done something wrong to someone and um, you've always felt bad about that, but something's been left unsaid. That person hasn't looked you in the eye and acknowledged with your eyes locked that that wrong had taken place. And somehow you realize in that moment, you've been left off the hook for it the entire time because they never, you never locked eyes and made it real with looking at that person who you did wrong and now they're acknowledging it. And that's the closing of a loop of accountability that I've experienced. I'm sure many people do. 
Um, and then that, in that moment, you only then realize what you took that you didn't account for and you didn't honor or, uh, or, or, or repair or give back. So it's, it's kind of amazing. I don't talk about, this is the weirdest podcast for rewilding of all of, of 66 episodes. This is just strange to be talking about things like this because when we conservationists shell up, when we draw our, you know, legs and arms, everything tightly into our shells, we get very, we're like accountants too, but in a not very healthy way. We are only dealing in facts and figures. We're looking at the parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. We're looking at really hard numbers. And I think that we use that, and I probably use the word hard just because of the shell effect that it has. Because our, our, and this would be great because so many uh, really heavy-duty conservationists listen to the Rewilding podcast, um, and they're all resonating with this right now in their own way. Um, if too much exposure to the sun gives you a sunburn. Some exposure to the sun is really quite healthy and necessary for vitamin D and everything else, but when we deal with issues all day, every day, that's too much exposure, and, yeah. and people need ways of dealing with that this is not the question i thought i was even going to ask today because <laughs> i was going to come with you numbers you know we haven't even talked about uh the interior secretary or any of that stuff <laughs> so weird. but i kind of should have known that i was gonna that that, that was going to happen too i've talked to you guys before but, what, but that's the thing is that uh if you were looking at issues and i know you don't um but if you if you could imagine for a moment for our uh, sake that you were looking at issues constantly the way that we do that you know us you know the conservation community and you know how wrapped up anybody can get as an activist in anything that's very very passionate about and they see just one thing every day it's not the whole thing but it's just you know mostly bad news you are doing what you do best and i'm doing what i do best and they do overlap my compassion, my prayers, they do make a difference in supporting individuals such as yourself. That we have that ability and that connection and that power. And yes, there is those in, that are so dedicated that they do burn themselves out because they don't integrate nature in between. They don't allow themselves to breathe. They just continue to load themselves up. And so they're not pacing themselves. Even, even the, the greatest athlete paces themselves. They learn and or they're taught to do so when they're breathing, even in their structure or how they carry themselves physically, or even when they are uh, in the competition, they, they know how to because this is the most efficient way of taking and, and creating the construct for uh, them to reach their goal. And so we apply that within ourselves. And that goes back to that medicine wheel again, mind, body, spirit, emotion. You know, check on those realms, because if they're out of balance, then you need to slow up and, and take care of that. And that's like when you said you long for going back to the woods. You long for that place. That's your church. Yeah. It, and, it, and that's where a church began with everybody. In fact, mm -hmm. before we decided it needed to be into a building or, or being guided by somebody who was then taking and interpreting some sort of scriptures written on the talking leaves. To me, when we take and we realize that, you know, the best, the best things that I've ever experienced were set in a moment. They were very spontaneous. They were just very genuine, whether it was around the fire or at a console meeting or at a sweat lodge. I mean, the integration of energy and spirit and, and being and connected, mm -hmm. it was all the same. It was, it was speaking where we're supposed to be yeah. speaking, being where we're supposed to be. And that's what we're talking about. I know a man that actually pulls a sweat lodge every week and he has to go pray to the trees and, and go deep into the woods to gather because he can use a whole tree up in a day or two. I mean, to me, it's like these people are holding these places for people to be able to find that, to be able to find and cleanse themselves of all the stuff that's compiling upon them from whatever they're working with or whether they're embracing and that's, that's why they are doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason. It's the reason why you do what you do. It's the reason why I do what I do. I mean, it's what we do naturally. And, and I believe that when we realize that we, if everyone, that they, the native elder said that if everyone did 
what they were purposely born to do, what they were gifted to do, then the person, then we'd have instantaneously peace mm-hmm. all the way around because they, everybody say, Hey, you like doing this? I like doing this. Hey, everything fits. We would see <laughs> that the, the puzzle and the pieces were always there. And they said something else, which was kind of unique that was connected to that they said they were, they would really believe that there would be no dis ease. And I thought, that makes sense. That would put college guidance counselors out of business, though. Because <laughs> they they're always be. telling you what you ought to do based on your aptitude test instead of just saying, what do you want to do? <laughs> I, I, believe, I, believe, I believe that people are in, that are in that particular place are not really happy because they're not, they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing to begin with. I really believe that, that, that a majority of people upon Mother Earth are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're forcing themselves and they've got all these story and rationalization that's compounded within that, within that way of life. But I really believe that they're off, they're off their, their path. They're off their, they're off in the, they're on the wrong river. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, but I'm trying to save the planet, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of all the things that those people would say. And, uh, and I guess what you're saying is, well, maybe you're not doing the thing that speaks to you the most about saving the planet. You're just reacting to, something in the way that you've seen other people do but um because there are also to be fair there are people that i've known for decades who um don't seem to be faring any worse they look almost the same as they did 20 years ago and they're also very hardcore conservationists they write constantly they write about pretty depressing stuff constantly and i look at those guys and i'm thinking what are you drinking in your water because they don't seem to be under any undue stress at all now they're not the always the most chipper people in the world but i mean i always forgive that because of the 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 stuff that they do but maybe they're doing their thing that they were meant to do and other people who find themselves in a situation where it's too bad and too stressful and too you know it's affecting their health and everything need to go I mean, there are a million ways you can help, right? Just like you said, I mean, your prayers and I mean, everybody's doing their thing. Everybody, there's a thing for everyone to do. And maybe the thing you're doing, I feel like a Dr. Seuss now is not the thing for you. (laughs) (laughs) I think too, Jack, what what, um, a combination of doing what your heart calls you to do and then checking in, like Robert was saying, uh, with the medicine wheel so that there is balance around it. So when you are dealing with you know, dire circumstances, that can be extremely stressful and, and the intellect can get, the mind can get really engaged. And if you're not also grounding your energy and being connected with the earth and paying attention to what's going on in your body and in your emotions and, and feeding the fire of your spirit, you're going to get out of balance. And that's going to really, really burn you out. It's going to really wear on you. So, you know, why do we have carbon filters to purify water? Right? I mean, the, the earth will take that static energy. She is made for it right um when we get when we start feeling like it's it's all consuming and that we can't run fast enough to do it we're out of balance we have to go back robert always says you know lead with your heart don't disconnect you know that my elders used to say the longest journey we'll ever walk in our life is about 18 inches it's the pathway of the the head and the heart open that journey when we keep our mind and heart open and we allow our heart to lead and then allow the mind to be the servant, not the master so that we can use our intellectual skills to support and make change happen right through that sense of relationship that we have when we can, if we're, too engaged in that. We need to get out on the river. We need to go lay on the earth. We need to go, you know, and and put ourselves back in touch with that which supports us. Because if all the energy is going out, if all we do is exhale, 
we're going to drop over, right? It's that circle. Everything moves in a circle. And so we have to have equal energy in that self-care that helps pull the energy back in. That's the only way we'll heal the earth. You know, our prayer, our constant Ojibwe prayer, teach us love, compassion, and honor that we may heal the earth and heal each other. When we have that balance of that medicine wheel, we have perpetual energy because we're putting back into that, that energy bank, right? We're recharging and we're letting that carbon from the earth detoxify all that static energy and all that stress. I think humility is really the, the key component to it all. Many people say, how can I do a thing? I'm only one person. I said, you, you, you possibly are the tipping point. You could be that tipping point and don't even realize it. So you need to take and follow life with compassion and zest and know that you are here and that whatever it is that you discover, that you implement, that you speak or address or express is going to be part of the change in which we are all longing to have. Mm. So when we look at these particular things continually happening, individuals standing up and all of a sudden being seen and heard and how it's the dynamics of, of shifts, not only physically, mentally, spiritually, are all having instantaneously, that's how easy it can be. So, and so, and you're working from the structure of, of approach, but we know that there's a million ways to climb a mountain. With, for some reason in today's society, we're taught this is the only way. You have to do this, this, and this to be able to create the, the results that you wish to have. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, I wanted to bridge to how, how to prove to you that I've absorbed at least some of what you've said today, how Deb Holland, the new Secretary of Interior, in charge of <laughs> all of the public land <laughs> in the United States, Native American, and she went to, and you showed me the picture. I didn't meet, I didn't see this on that day. I was, I thought I had seen everything. I thought I was, you know, I had all the channels on, I had all my, and I didn't see her in her traditional garb carrying the river around with her as she was in the belly of said beast. She, <laughs> she was doing what you just talked about this whole hour. And then I thought, this is the funny part, so was Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is in his traditional mittens yeah. With, yeah. with memeing himself and raising money for nonprofit. But it's like, wait a minute. I, I love that. I had some a woman who was talking to me about something. I had a woman on one of our peace tours that said uh, she was she was crying. She was like in her 20s and crying what we did to your people and all this. And I said, wait a minute. I said, it wasn't you. It wasn't you. You know, why are you taking upon this burden of sadness? And, and, and you know, I said, it wasn't you. It, you know, it, it, that's, I, I, I'm not trying to erase what has been done to anyone in the past. But what I want you to realize is that what can we do in this moment now? What is it that I can do in this moment to implement a positive change that not only benefits me, but also benefits everyone? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, why can't we start thinking as a win-win? Yeah. That's, that's in, to me, I, I love what I do, and I love what you do. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I'd send you a little heart or a little thumbs up or, you know, or sometimes I'll write you a little message saying it's so good to, to see you you're out there doing what you do. And, you know, I'm not looking to take and try to frame it into to a title or a position or and I'm not looking for any certificates or medals. I'm just saying, you know, I'm concerned because of the well-being of the next generations to come. And that's where I, we need to do is to look at what are we providing for them. Right now, it's not really good uh, what we're providing, but we are, we are moving in the right direction. And to me, that allows me to breathe a little easier. Mm knowing that, yeah, we're starting to look a little further out, not only for the generations, but the generations beyond that generation. And we're setting, we're setting things in motion. And the people that are now being honored and, and elected into key component and, and very, very, very powerful positions are people of heart. That's just what it is. We're, they're not looking at what's happened in the past. They're looking at what we got to deal with right now. That's where most of our energy is and utilizing what we carry within our hearts and within our spirits and our within our minds 
How can we take and implement that and integrate that as the foundation of all of our decisions? And if we do, then absolutely, it's going to be a win-win. Uh, I, I just love, I have always, all these years, love what you guys do. And it's hilarious that I fell for it again. I got, I'm like, I'm going to have Robert and Terry on. I'm doing a new podcast with Rewilding Institute. And we're going to talk about stuff and issues and things and whatever. Like I was doing with all of my other guests, forgetting completely that you guys live and work and operate in a completely different way. And we didn't even start the podcast. You just sat down and started talking. Just okay. And I'm like, this is great. That's the way you guys are. And you, and that's how you help. And that's why you're so greatly appreciated by, I can't believe, I don't even know how many countless thousands of people who you've uh, affected deeply and continue to do so. So I'm happy to have you guys back if you are happy to come back. I would back love to, Jack. They, we, there was people used to, they put it in the, in the context, an evening with the tall trees. Or, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's what it was. You know, it, we were sitting around the campfire and we're saying, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? And we start taking and easing it out, breathing into it. And, I, and the spontaneity, I mean, we could have gone into deep numbers and, and the, the tragic place in which the world is. And, but there's a lot of people really doing that. And misery doesn't really need more company. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> on a parting note, I just want to share with listeners from my heart to yours that you're not doing this alone and that there are forces, both seen and unseen, that are not only standing at the ready, but they are, you know, completely involved and working so no no need to take on the burden of the world on your shoulders um, we are each only one but as that one we have tremendous power because we are part of a whole mm-hmm. and and there's a lot going on that beyond the field of our our human vision that is assisting us so there's there's great hope for the future, and we are we are all connected. So you know don't don't lose heart. And and thank you, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all that you are, and for being here on the earth right now. This is a, a an extremely important time to be alive as a human being on the earth right now, and that that isn't anything that I take lightly that everything that you are and everything that you bring matters. Thank you. Jimmy Gwetch, in my language, that means uh, thank you very much. But my great-grandmother, who I had an opportunity to get to know, um, said, uh, grandson, uh, I know we use that word for thank you, but really what it means more closer to is all that you have given, I hold to the highest regard.
Thanks for listening to the Rewilding Earth podcast. We do what we do because of you. This podcast is supported by listeners like you who long to live in a wilder world. Please consider donating at rewilding.org and subscribe to our weekly news and article digest while you're there. To go the extra mile, you can follow and share Rewilding Earth on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Bonus points for sharing this podcast with your friends. To listen to past episodes, go to rewilding.org slash pod. That's rewilding.org slash pod.